Welcome to the Goal In Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruss, and I'm proud to be bringing you this show from Sydney, Australia. Now, if you're a first-time listener of the show, well, you're in for a real treat today. And if you're a repeat offender, welcome back to the show, and thank you so much for joining us again. And if you don't already follow us in social media, just pop open your favorite platform and follow along there. We're on Facey, we're on Insta, and of course on YouTube as well. And make sure, if you haven't already done so, you pop open your favorite podcasting app and hit that subscribe button because that helps us out and you'll never miss a show if you do that. Now, it's been a busy couple of months and over the next couple of weeks, we'll have some fantastic guests coming up, including our three-part series on digital marketing. And today on the show, I'm joined by Christian Bacusis from Afterburner Australia and Gary Birtwistle from the Mojo Radio Show. Today's episode will give you one of those really super unique perspectives on business and on life that you'll rarely find in one place. Now, as regular listeners of the show would know, Boo, Boo joined us on the Goal In podcast way back on episode 24, and Boo shared his story and he talked about his afterburner business. Now, we have three very unique perspectives that I want to dive into with, and going all in, as you know, is, is the decision-making process. And when you go all in on something, it's about making a commitment. And Boo's Afterburner programs are all about putting a framework for success in place around your goals. And Gary's core strength is in the innovation and the creativity space and helping you to maintain your mojo. Now, these are three really super practical and mutually supporting concepts that will certainly help you to go all in. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks, mate. Cheers, Rob. Lovely to be here, as always. Gary, I like to start off all of the Goal In podcast, mate, with a quick little get-to-know-you quiz, mate. It helps mm-hmm. uh, warm us up, calm us down, helps the guests to get to know you a little bit, and maybe your friends and family at home will learn something that they don't already know. <laughs> it's in no particular order. It's pretty random. It's a little bit of fun. You ready? Yep, let's go. Just tell me the first thing that comes to mind, mate. What do you prefer? Do you prefer public speaking or writing? Public speaking. Why is that, mate? Because you get to see people in the eye. And I think writing's good because you get to articulate and put your thoughts in a particular order and you can make mistakes and correct them. But when you're in front of an audience, no matter how big, you can see the people, you can see their reaction to stuff, you can see when you hit a chord with them and you get to, to get to feel them as well. So I think the exhilaration of being in front of people, no matter how big a crowd, I think that much... It's much more enticing for me than sitting down and just writing. I think I'll have to agree with you there. Sitting down writing is like shouting down an empty hallway sometimes. I just don't know who's reading my stuff, if anybody at all, for heaven's sake. It's a bit tricky sometimes. Your mum probably does. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> mum offers great comments about this podcast, by the way. Hello, mum. Hi, mum. If you're listening, hi, mum. Hey, uh, do you like cardio or weights? Weights. Weights? Mm. Every time, a couple of times a week? What's happening? Yeah, look, I'm, a, I'm only a little fella, and I live on a farm. I run a couple of farms. So as I get older... The chores don't go away. So for me, as part of our family, having the farm, I have to have strength because that's a a day-to-day necessity is functional fitness. Mm -hmm. And I've always loved the gym. Yeah, right, mm. right. What, what type of what type of workouts are you into? You know these crazy CrossFit workouts no. or just the good old-fashioned bodybuilding weights workouts? I'll vary it because you know that muscles have muscle memory. So every time I go in, so sometimes I do a five-by-five five or a complex session or I'll do the um, – Doug McGuff mm-hmm. does the five, the big five. Yep. So I do something different all the time. Nice, nice. Early to rise or late to bed? Early to rise. 
Can you ride a motorbike? You must no. be able to. No, no, you're on a farm. You can't ride a motorbike. What the hell? Quite a quaddy idiot. It's got to have four wheels. Oh, you can ride a quad bike. Those things are so dangerous. Have you got a quad bike in your farm? No, I'm not allowed to. We had one. I've got to get rid of it. So I'm about to buy it side by side. Yeah, right. A mate of mine used to be a paramedic on the ambulance rescue helicopters. And I remember asking him one time, what was the... What's the most frequent job you go to? And he goes, these, these poor old farmers falling off their quad bikes. It is. It's probably the most dangerous thing on a farm mm-hmm. is <laughs> it's the quad bike, right? Not the, not the combine harvester. It's the bloody quad bike. All right, all right. It's a serious podcasting question, Gary. Is it, is it meditation, mate, or is it contemplation? Contemplation. Yeah? Mm. Why is that? Is there a preference why? No, it's interesting. I interviewed a guy who wrote a book called Practical Meditation, and he read about 27 different ways to meditate. And because I had that question, is there a difference between them? Mm-hmm. And quite often contemplation in his mind leads you to meditation. But if I'm out working in a paddock or I'm in the city or traveling, quite often I'll just stop and listen to the sounds around me to see how many sounds I can hear. And that in itself is meditation, yeah, but I call it, it. Yeah. contemplation. Yeah. So I think it's just a terminology thing. And I think meditation to me, too many people have the wrong impression of it, that it's mm-hmm. dressed in robes, bald head with your arms doing the Buddha thing. But to me, contemplation is just appreciating what's around you and stopping to take it all in using your senses. That's much more me. Yeah, that's beautifully said. I, I have a little bit of a hard time with the meditation thing in a traditional way that you say because I have this bad ringing in my ears. <laughs> and, you know, there's all this stuff going on in my brain box and the ringing in my ears doesn't help. And you know why the funny funny thing is I bought these headphones that we're all wearing here recently and they're noise-cancelling headphones. You guys probably don't know if you don't suffer from the tinnitus like I do. But when I put the headphones on for the first time, I was like, it's quiet. Mm. I can't hear the ringing. And for some reason, the noise-cancelling headphones cancelled out the tinnitus in my ears. And it lasts for about, I don't know, 15 minutes or so, and then it starts coming back. It comes through the noise cancelling, and I could hear it again. So I have that ringing. <laughs> too many years in radio and going to every rock concert from Motley Crue, Metallica, Jimmy Barnes, yeah. and being too close to the stack, I definitely have that ringing. I, I blame it on the military, but in reality, I think it's the loud music <laughs> in the headphones from when I was a kid. That's yeah. more, more like it like that. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, mate. It's a little bit of fun to get going and just warm us up there and... People come on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. So, Gary, if you could, mate, could you please share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? Can I give you two? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a business one and a personal one. And the business one is I was working in radio for Australia's biggest radio network, looking after all the Triple M and two-day stations across Australia, and I had a couple in Malaysia. So I had tickets to everything. And whenever I rang somebody, they answered the phone. And I remember being in a big stadium in Sydney with 1,500 people. And the guy hosting this conference said, grab your journal and write down, what do you want in five years, 10 years, 15 years, and 20 years? Don't worry how you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. Just be greedy and write down, what do you want? So I did all that. And when I got home that night, rather late, I looked at it, and it had nothing to do with radio. Right. So I realized that at that time I had – no, no future for me in my mind mm-hmm. had to do with radio. So I was 33 years old and one of the things that I had dreamt of was living to be 100. So I went to work and quit. So the next day I went to work and quit and I figured if I was going to have a future that was on there and then that piece of paper, which is what I aspired to have, which was pretty lofty, mm-hmm. I just went to work and quit. And I spoke to the chairman of Austereo and he offered me all different jobs. And I said, look, I'm out because I can't see it in my future and I cannot spend one more day doing what I don't love doing. Mm. 
Was it, was it instantaneous or was it a, a, a gradual journey to get to that destination in terms? Did you feel yourself separating from the, the world you were, you were in or was it just a moment of clarity when it all came together? It was both, Boo. It was, I'd been unhappy for a while. I was unhappy with the way that the industry was going, where the rock... For a lot of people, working in radio would be the dream job. It's one of those yeah, things you go to at school. Yeah. You go to all the concerts, you yep. go to the parties, it's... Well, I mean, it's a it's an interesting decision to make, given that in a lot of people's eyes, mm. you were already at at the top of the game. I mean, what was the separation there? What was it that were you were you into the industry from the outset? Was it something you're passionate about, or was it something that you never felt fit from from the outset? No, it was a couple of things. I mean, I'd always dreamt of being in radio. I thought I was going to be an announcer, end up being in promotions and marketing. Ever since I saw Robin Williams in Good Morning Vietnam and he pulled the microphone over, exactly, that, that was me. That's, that's what I wanted to do. And I, I have lived a lot of my life through the movies. Mm. I see it and I go, that's what I want to do. And I set about doing it. So I had set about doing it, went all in to get into radio, just took the job. Then I realised, actually, I don't really want to be on the air because that doesn't look like it's that much fun. Behind the scenes, it's actually not great. A lot of hard work, right? Well, yeah, and it's doggy dog and it's yeah. just... Anyway, so what happened was I got into radio and I loved the rock and roll spirit because it was back with Doug Mulray and Club Veg and that whole period where anything could happen. You could be sitting at your desk and in would walk Bon Jovi. You could be sitting at your desk and in would walk Bruce Willis. It was just that rock and roll unpredictability of it where anything could happen. But as radio changed because of ownership and everything else, it became about the money and the dollars and the, the rock and roll went out of it. A lot of the values went out of it and it became a prescriptive hey, it's five past seven, here's what we're going to do. We've done beat the bomb for the last 20 years, we're going to do it again. And so it was a gradual thing where I just wasn't happy, but then it was a snap thing when I went, actually, if I look forward to the next 66 years and a bit, I can't see any radio in it. And I made the decision that I should go all in. So I quit and then I rang a mate of mine and he had an office and I took a corner of the office. I had no desk or furniture. I put a true story. I put a milk crate down. <laughs> I plugged a phone into the wall and I had a phone on the floor and I sat in a milk crate and I started ringing people. And that's how, and I started working for free just to get speaking gigs. And that's how I started. Did you, did you have an idea that that's what you were going to go and do? Or is it just like not right? I'm finished with radio. I'm finished with that career. And you were ready. Did you know what you were going to go on to and do something? Yeah. The, the good morning, Vietnam. Remember, remember he taught the, the Vietnamese people. Mm how to speak, yep. and I'd always loved that. And I thought the notion of teaching somebody something, particularly children, would be great. But I just knew that with my personality, I wouldn't fit into the education system, the institution as education, because I would just get myself in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I figured, well, then I'll just do it with grown-ups. Yeah. So answer your question, Rob, yes, I did know what I wanted to do, but I had never done it. But when I'd had a chance to do it within the radio industry with my own team – or presentation to clients, I really loved it. And I loved the spirit of it and creating within those boundaries. Mm-hmm. So I kind of did, but then I just thought, well, if I'm not going to be doing this, what am I going to do? I thought it's the only thing I've ever really wanted to do, so I might as well just go all in. Commit to it and see what happens. You know, career transition is something that um, is a very common topic on this podcast. Really? You know, when you ask people, you know, what did, what's your go all in story, they always say, oh, you know, when I got out of this or I left this job or I left this relationship – and that transition period really does require a commitment and it requires dedication and it mm. requires a little bit of inner mongrel to mm. actually mm. succeed. What would you say to somebody that was thinking about a transition that was on the, 
They're ready to throw their toys at work. They've had a gut full. They're listening to this podcast and they're like, you know what, I'm, I'm done. What can Gary say to help me get across the line and actually make that happen? I'd say a couple of things. I'd say that one phone call can change the whole trajectory of your life. Yeah, that's For so you true. and your friends, one phone call. Yeah. And that phone call could take 60 seconds and suddenly you're going to start thinking about what matters. So I'd be saying the first thing is work out right now what, what really matters to you. If that phone call came through in the next 100 days, what would you be doing? What would you want to be doing? What's the unfinished business? Mm-hmm. I'd be saying to somebody, take the time to grab a journalist, sit under a tree and say, what have you always dreamt of? And if you're not sure, ask your mum and dad or whoever was around you, uncles, what did you do when you were a kid where you lost track of time? Mm-hmm. Food wasn't important. You just You were just so immersed in it. And I'd say think about what you spend the majority of your time learning about. Mm-hmm. put all those things down they say now how do you make a living out of it and just work out what do you need to tick off what matters to you day to day the perfect day perfect week that takes you towards your dreams and i think that that's the homework to do and then you've got to go all in and commit to it and the one thing that i'd say about going all in which i heard somebody say to me just recently he said that his boss would walk up and say what do you want to do with your plan and he'd say, here's what I want to do. He'd say, you've got to convince me you're convinced. <laughs> and I'd say to anybody who wants to go all in for those dreams is to say, write all that down, get it all together, then convince me you're convinced. Convince me you are going to go all in mm-hmm. because you have to put it all on the line. And having a fallback plan means you're going to fall back. So that's the lesson that I've learned. And I've done that in everything I do now. If I'm going to do it, I know exactly what the picture looks like in five or ten years' time. I know why I'm going to do it, who I need around me, and I'm just going to have a crack at it because, you know, you're not going to get a second crack if that phone call comes through. There's a lot of, and there's a lot to be taken away from that. And, and really what you're saying is you, if we can bring things back to simplicity, getting anything done is complex and there's distractions and a million things going on. And, and I always go back to Einstein's quote that if you can't explain it simply, <laughs> you don't understand it well enough yourself. Uh, so I'm, I'm very much like that. And if, and if I hear people talking or I can see people that are perplexed, that constantly goes in my, in my mind. And what I find when I'm working with bigger organizations or individuals, whether it's a result of the digital era and, and an overwhelming amount of information, people are, are really struggling with clearly articulating a simple outcome mm-hmm. or a simple sense of purpose or, or a reason for doing things. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and it makes people quite uncomfortable. So I think you're right on the money there, Gary, when it comes to people articulating very succinctly what it is they're going to do. Mm. Um, and, and making a decision around something simple is a lot easier than trying to make many decisions around a lot of complex ideas and, and concepts. Um, so going all in keeping things simple. I think it's impossible to get away from those two two concepts anywhere in life. Yeah. One, one of the first interviews we did on the Mojo Radio Show, because when I first started, we're six seasons in, and I just rang all my mates to get as guests. Because you know what it's like, right? Yeah. You, you've got to f- struggle to get people on there. And this was back when podcasts didn't have the momentum it has today. Anyway, one of the guys I rang was Matt Church, who runs Thought Leaders. Now, Matt's super successful in everything he does, and he creates a lot of great authors and speakers. And, and I said to Matt, where is strategy going wrong today? And he said, your strategy has to be that simple. You can do it with stick figures on the back of a napkin. <laughs> and that's all true today it's, in a complex it does. digital world. It just world. goes back Very to what true. you were saying, Boo, is totally. yeah. describe it to me, mm. but convince me you're convinced. And I that think it then, does, but I think a lot of people, particularly in leadership roles today, they deliberately produce strategy that's quite complicated because the more complicated it is, the easier it is to explain why it failed. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it makes them sound smarter. It may, smarter. It's, dead right. They'll pay two, three million dollars for Accenture to come in and write oh, their company strategy. And, and Kill me. It's like having someone come into your, into your life and saying, "All right, for the next three years, do this based on everything I've observed around you." Yeah. Uh, the, the whole outsourcing of strategy. And, and people have just lost touch mm. with, with what strategy is. Mm. And, and I guess it's interesting, and it's a bit of a segue there, Gary, in terms of ideas. Because strategies, everyone thinks that the best strategy is to have a great idea and a new idea and to be disruptive and to do all of these wacky, chaotic things. But tell us a little bit about ideas. I think the, the thing that's resonating the most with leaders today is the ideas are around us. But Da Vinci said there's no room in a busy mind for creativity. And we are just aimlessly working through to-do lists where people will say, I did a lot of stuff today, but I don't really know what I did and it didn't really take me towards what I'm doing. I think they were my exact words I said to you the other day, Boo. Oh, absolutely. And you feel it, right? You feel it because you feel stressed and you feel overwhelmed and Mm. you feel annoyed with the people around you because you have no capacity to to be a human you literally are and i had this same conversation last night i said to someone i think i've turned into a robot Mm. i'm so busy at the moment there's so much going on my ability to feel has actually been turned off and that's a red flag Mm. that's a big red flag but but i think uh, the good thing is having the awareness around that and to be able to feel it and step away from the situation and decompress right a lot of people they stay in that mode and, and that's what you're kind of alluding to, right? People all moving through their life automatically, just mindlessly on those to-do lists. Yeah, they're just aimless. They have no clue what the picture looks like in the future. Mm. But they've got a to-do list with 200 things on it. Well, that's not a to-do list. That's a mess. Mm. And they can't articulate what matters to you. What is the dream? What are you doing in the future? Do you know the actual big stepping stones you're going to take to get there? And what are you doing today? And we talked about this, you know, when we were on the road last week, but it was this breaking it down to the stepping stones, the smallest possible things to move you forward. But I think all that is catalyzed by the fact that people don't sit down and think anymore. Rob, they just don't take the time to sit down and ponder and think because the minute someone's got time to themselves, they grab their phone because they're so good at distracting us. And there are these incredibly intelligent people who are really good at manipulating those phones to keep our attention. Mm -hmm. So we're really busy but we're not getting anything done, particularly towards our dreams. And I we think... Worse. I mean, we're creating synaptic pathways now, which turn our brains into mashed potato. Yeah. And, and we actually create brain fog and fade because we're no longer thinking about anything deeply. Mm. We're just... It's very superficial. You're just looking at the screen that's in front of you. Well, that's the thing. One of the most profound shows we did, I was so glad to get hold of it. It was such an honour, was Cal Newport, who wrote Deep Work. And getting into deep work with Cal, so when you go, you're a morning person or a night person, this whole trend of getting up before the world moves, to have just quiet time to sit and to think and to ponder. And that is a big thing. That's a big movement amongst people who are the higher achievers. And you hear that so often. Jack Dorsey from Twitter talks about it. These these guys at the front end of disruption who are running big, big billion-dollar organizations, will get up early just to sit and think, or they'll walk to work. Jack Dorsey from Twitter walks five miles to work in the morning mm-hmm. with no distractions. He just thinks. And I think, if anything, Boo said, where does it start? Before you get to strategy everything else, it's sitting down and being able to be okay doing nothing. Because honestly, I grew up in Brisbane, and if mum said, I'd pick you up from training at 5 o'clock, and she was late, I'm going back a ways, but there was nothing to do. 
You just like had the horse through a shoe or something? Yeah, she just, <laughs> yeah. You, that, thanks, mate. She's not that I just got that. The, no. Yeah, the penny just. But there was nothing to do. Farmers, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> you just sat and think think about stuff. But nowadays we've lost the art of being bored. Like we can't be bored. We can't have that time to think. Yet the great creators of the world who are creating disruption, that's a non-negotiable part of their day. So I think where's it going wrong? There's the starting point. If we can teach kids coming through, there's nothing wrong with phones and like you were saying, Insta and the book and all that sort of stuff. It's great. There has to be a time in your day where you sit and contemplate and you do nothing to allow your brain to do the best work to create because it's the only way that all the connections are made. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, Gary, because I want to talk about the idea thing just to finish it off because we're coming at it from two angles. For me, I, I... with an execution mindset mm-hmm. and helping companies get their strategies and ideas implemented. I've got a question for you. Sometimes I think there's too many ideas. Mm-hmm. Everyone's an ideas man or, a, or an ideas person. In this day <laughs> That's why we call you the ideas man. Yeah. So everyone's, <laughs> but but I, think, I think one thing that, that we also struggle with today, and it goes towards making that decision to go all in and also maintaining your mojo, is the complexity, or not the complexity, but how hard it is to get an idea into something that is earning money is a real function. To have a dream is one thing, but to get there, the determination, the commitment. So how do you know that an idea is an idea worth investing in or is just a dumb idea? So there, there is a number of bits to unpack in that. The first bit is the dream of going into, if you can't own a category, create your own category. That's recent trout, marketing warfare. That's a standard practice. If you can't own particular category whatever it is you create your own mm-hmm. so there's that there's a, heck of a whole conversation on that the other part of it though is that say you've got an idea you're in a business or you're creating a business and you've got an idea how do you know to go all in and we talk about brainstorming a lot and what people don't understand that when alex osborne and sid Parnes created brainstorming when they worked at nasa back in the 60s there's actually a process just like there is with all the stuff you talked about i couldn't agree with you more it's not this chaotic throw everything up on a wall uh, mentality that people but think that's what people think it is mm. so it's the same as you go through flex and yep. we talked about oodle loop and all these systems it's a system of thinking that takes you through a checklist so when you go through a brainstorming model, you've got to get very clear on what the question is. Like, what are we actually brainstorming? Then you've got to go through a divergent thinking, which is where you do fill the walls with ideally, because brainstorming is defined as build, building a big list of ideas. It's not saying we're going to go to space. Oh, yeah, let's take a cat. <laughs> oh, no, 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 be well, more outside the box, outside the box. That's one idea. Yeah, let's go, let's throw it, let's send one of our sports cars into space. Yeah. Uh, so you go, lot, ideas obviously get through, right? Lots of ideas. <laughs> But then you narrow it down to the five sexiest ideas. The secret to it, though, is to defer judgment. So when you're starting out, that we could send a cat. Well, let's not disregard that. So let's put it up on the wall as oh, well as a car. Cat. No idea. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've got a cat you can nail to the wall. Anyway, so you go through all the ideas. So we can be very clear what we're going to do. We go through all the ideas and you, you pick out the five ones that float your boat the most. But we still haven't done any criteria. We still haven't done it. We, They're just five really cool ideas. The bit that's missing in the process is then saying, how would you judge a good idea? So if you had a business idea, I would take you through this process and go, what are ideas you've got? You've chosen this idea. How would you, how would Boo, how would Rob judge a good idea? Well, it's going to meet five things. We're going to be able to get it up and running of cash flow in 12 months. Mm -hmm. I've got to be able to do it with $1,000 worth of capital. It has to produce at least this much 
you know, income over the blah, 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 whatever it may be. Then you run each of those five ideas in a matrix across the way you judge it mm-hmm. to come out with the best idea that meets your criteria. Now, there's an idea that's really sexy but doesn't actually nail your criteria as much as you want. At least you know where the shortfalls are. Mm. And you can go, well, it's a really good idea. We probably won't have cash flow in 12 months. Yeah, it's a time-money equation. Correct. And it gives, will that idea give me the lifestyle? No, because I probably need 50 people to implement it. Well, then how would I get the lifestyles? Then you can start to play with it. Then the last step will go all in. What's the next step? Who's going to do what and by when? Unfortunately, I see a lot of people do it the other way around, where they decide they're going to go all in on something. And they're going to commit first and then work out the detail later. And, and inevitably, they fall, they come up short because they don't have a, a flex methodology or a system yeah. to get them where they need to be. And what you're describing is the right way around. The, the right way to get where you need to be is cover off all of those points, decide which one's the best one, go all in, and then apply some execution strategies Correct. that flexes. Mm. So, but can you just go into that a little bit for the people that haven't heard your podcast or don't know what flex or flawless execution is? Can you just explain uh, what that methodology is and how that works when it relates to an idea and how it relates to going all in? It, ta- it, it plays to where Gary's coming from, which is effectively to say, we've got this idea, how do we test it, how do we apply it, get it? away from the world of assumptions and mm. and creativity into the world of execution. And usually your, your first stab at an idea may not be where you end up, but it's certainly going to be roughly there. And, and uh, Gary, Rob and I also have the opportunity to share another business, which we're going through this process. We're trying to, trying to revolutionise digital publishing. And what you find there is we've had lots of ideas. Some of them haven't worked, but, but there's a trend towards an idea that's now formulating that's actually quite solid. So we have a philosophy, and as you know, it's all embedded in, in the fighter pilot methodology, and fighter pilots have to go in all the time. They're making lots and lots of decisions, and when they go all, go all in there, they're going into fight. There's going to be weapons employed, and it's a really big decision to make. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is, up until that point, make sure that we've done our planning and analysis and then when we're making the decision and we're executing, we're, it's automated. We're so well-versed in what we need to do. We understand mm. every step implicitly. Everyone on the team is fully aligned. And then we go and execute upon that particular task. We can do it without even talking to each other. There is absolutely no community on the planet, and I've got to work with high-performance sports teams, that operate at that level, that, that understand uh, this flex methodology, the, these four really, really important steps. And... I'm glad that, that Gary mentioned brainstorming because I see it all the time. Mm, all right, we've been running a $1.2 billion business. Let's sit down and brainstorm. <laughs> Enough of the brainstorm. What we're going to do in the next, in the next 12 months. And it's, and it's like, okay, well, whoa, yeah, that's a lot of revenue. That's a lot of business. And you, you might be a, a biscuit baker. And then here we are thinking about how can we make lollies? And, mm. and I think it's great to be creative and have these ideas. But in an, in an unstructured format, it, it becomes chaotic. It becomes confusing. And you actually uh, temper the creativity of it all. And it just becomes the equivalent of everyone sitting on their Instagram because everyone is just throwing raw information. And, and we talk a lot about situational awareness. Mm. And having situational awareness is like sitting on top of the mountain with total clarity. You see things before they happen. You anticipate the competitors' moves. Your team is fully aligned. It's a mindset that the average human just doesn't operate in. It just doesn't happen. And the beauty of it is we've figured out that there's a few things you can do to that create it. And, and more importantly, make that decision as a human that you're not aware of your situation right now. So 
you need to do something about it. We, we've all had these feelings. Situational awareness is walking down a dark alley and all of a sudden realising this is not such a great idea. Or I can hear footsteps, what I think is footsteps. That's clarity because it's a survival instinct. When you need to survive, you can get situational awareness really quickly because your body fills mm. you up with lots of chemicals. Now, you don't operate as though you're walking down a dark alley every day. But what we've learned is you, can, you actually can. You can think that way. You can actually bring that mindset in a much calmer manner and everything you do and, and, and how you operate in this purposeful manner. And one of the things we've, we learn a lot as fighter pilots is, is conceptually around the human factor. Accidents are because of the human. It's the human factor. We actually are one of the few industries on the planet that articulates the human as the failure in the system. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been to a lot of organisations and it's very rarely that a human is at fault when anything goes wrong. It's everything around that human that's at fault. And one of the most powerful things I think you can do and, and how you can take these ideas, go all in and survive is by constantly testing and being honest with yourself. Do you really know what you're doing? Are you working hard? Have you overreached? And we have this whole optimism bias that we suffer from as human beings and we experience this, experience this a lot. And it's where we, we have the dream. Uh, and that, it might be a simple dream, like I just want to run a marathon. And we have that dream or that idea in March and the marathon's in June. And we don't, we don't get there, we get despondent, we lose our mojo. Why? Because we're optimistic in our expectations. And what that does, it stops us from doing it ever, ever again. And I think this, what we talk about here is it's great to have an idea. We've got to execute it in little bite-sized chunks day-to-day, set little tiny goals, set ourselves up for success all the time, not just once when we run the marathon. And statistically, 8% of us achieve our personal goals in mm. life. It's terrible. Mm. And the, the flex methodology, I think it's just, a, it's, just, it's just a really common sense process. It's a way of crunching data. It's a way of taking stress out of your life. And it's, it's understanding implicitly that everything we do needs a little bit of structure. Not a huge amount, not robots, not, not, uh, it's interesting. Everyone, everyone thinks everyone in the military is like a robot and massively disciplined, but, but we're not. We just form really good habits mm. and we work exceptionally well as a team. It looks like discipline, but it's actually just an incredibly effective way of getting things done. So with this, with this methodology, which is, has its basis in the OODA loop, you know, observe everything around you, orientate yourself to take advantage of the situation, make the decision, go all in and then do something. Mm. And then once you've done something, sit back, think, observe again, orientate yourself to the new world, make another decision, act. And the faster everything in life, if it's business or if you're in a competitive world, it's all about compressing your, your competition's OODA loop and enhancing yours. So you're always making the decision based on the maximum amount of observation, the maximum time to get yourself into position before you make the decision. And I use that a lot in football. When two football teams, the reason why they're, they're putting pressure on is because they're denying the other, the other team the ability to, to make decisions. So it's a fairly wide-ranging combo there. Uh, but I think... Uh, we're, we're just letting you go on this side. <laughs> He's doing pretty good over there. What do you reckon? Yeah. It's, <laughs> It's, uh, 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 Do you want another coffee, Rob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, please. That <laughs> white. <laughs> I, I think it's just a. It's just a. When you look at everything, every organisation you work, and I probably work with a couple of hundred organisations, and you look at every single group, every organisation, every industry, but you look at it at the human perspective and how the humans behave, you would be amazed at the common human performance traits that every industry, every business has that is affecting their ability to achieve stuff. Well, we're all so different, but we're all so similar at the same time, isn't it? You know, c- coming back to the idea and, and, and 
For you, Gary, the concept of ideas and execution and doing all those things, that's a natural blend there. And people, you know, I love, I love the name of your show, the Mojo Radio Show. And I love that word Mojo because it just defines and it kind of categorizes a lot of different things. For me personally, that, that word means like it's about motivation. It's about, mm. you know, it's about you. It kind of describes you in a generic sort of way. And, and I really believe that. Going all in, is that a motivation podcast? People ask me that all the time. Is, are you a motivational speaker? Are you a motivational dude? And, it, and it's sort of kind of a little bit like that, but it's more about a commitment. And for me, a commitment to go all in means you're going to give something your best. You're going to give it your best shot. And in my view, when you give something your best shot, it means you're giving your very best to the world and you're living up to your potential in the now, not in the future because the word potential has a future connotation. But if you go all in, you bring that potential into the now, which is really good. And that's all awesome and that's all great. But what happens when I lose my mojo? I mean, the motivation gets me started mm. and it's the discipline that keeps me going. But it's very hard, as you say, Boo, you know, from the military as military guys, it's hard to maintain discipline. So what would you say to somebody that was running out of mojo that was running out of juice running out of motivation how would they what can they do to kind of get that back and and find it for themselves it's probably the biggest question that's faced people are facing today rob to be honest i mean that is the issue i think if you talk to a lot of executives they or or partners in a relationship their life is beige it's vanilla it's just off-white it's torp and it's not great but it's not really bad or it's, it's all those shades in between. But when you sit with those people and say, well, what's the future look like? What do you want for your life? What are you aiming at in five years' time? What are your dreams? Mm. And particularly, I think it's why couples are breaking down, partners are breaking down, because the partners have never sat and said, what do we want for the future? And if that's not articulated, how do you know that each day you're moving towards something? And we are very aimless, something that Todd Henry wrote in a book called Die Empty. And he said, we're aimless. He said, we've got this target and we've got bow and arrow, but we're blindfolded. And we're walking around trying to hit the target, but we don't know what the target is. And even if we hit it, we go, well, it's just dumb luck. There's no, there's no satisfaction because it was just dumb luck. Gary, what about people that just can't – since I've become aware of this, probably more as I get older and, and become aware of purpose in life, what I'm actually starting to experience is a lot of people, they know that, but they're just unable to figure it out. Yeah, get out of the rut. Yeah, well, that's I see that that's a lot where well. you actually need a facilitator is you need someone who's going to edit you with love, mm. be honest with you, has got worldly experience. This is where wisdom comes in. This is, this is, this is a part of... I that's really lost their mojo here. Yeah, yeah. I need someone that's just effectively amoebic in their approach to life. They're just unable to, to get out of this. I work with them all the time, Boo, because I work one-to-one with... I've got a dozen or so people different parts of the world that I work with on Skype and stuff, and they go through those moments. I've had tears... You know, they've been on tears for an hour on the phone. You've got to talk them, not off the ledge, literally, but you've got to talk them out of that place. But it all comes back to what do you want? And I think, you know, it's really interesting. I think there's that part of it, Blue, and that sometimes needs to be facilitated by a great friend, a family member, a mentor who can give you some tough love, say, dude, it's enough. Mm. And you go, tell me what it I don't know. I know you don't know, but if you did know, mm. I don't know. I, know. I know you don't know, but if you did know and you couldn't fail, what's always been burning in the back of your mind? What if you always, what's in the gut? Mm. If you could have a crack at it. It's there for most people. If it's not, then you're going to sit on the rock, as you said. Does it? Is that no? Not always. No. And and some young kids don't have it, but they if they know that it's out there and they know it's an important aspect, then you've got to sit on that rock that you said before and just sit there Mm. and put the time in. Now it may take you three or four weeks or a month to get there, but 
you know, I work with people who've been journaling now for, for weeks on end when I talk to them, and, and, and then we have one conversation. They say one thing, and they go, bugger me, that's it. The penny dropped. That's it. Yeah. That's it. But that's all the work they've done to get to that point. The other thing that's really important, I think, Rob, back to something you said before, is that typically what people do is their dreams are about their work. And I interviewed a guy called Dr. Simon Marshall, who's a sports psychologist, and his wife is a, a cross-country triathlete, world champion, three times. So she's an, an absolute elite athlete, and he's a sports psychologist, which gives them a very unique, this called Braveheart coaching, a very unique approach to mental conditioning and training. And what he said was that, the problem for his wife is that when she was injured, she basically went into depression because she had nothing else. Her whole life was about training. Correct. She had nothing life. else. So when you look at her, her wheel of what's important, what matters, mm. it was all. If I can't train, mm. if I can't work out, life's crap. It's the same for a business person. When you look at them and say, what are your dreams? The dreams will be about work or aspirations for income or whatever. If you don't get the number or you haven't got your work going, suddenly everything else goes. You start kicking the dog, mm. you walk in, you're grumpy with your family, you eat comfort food. So the thing for me is that you've got to have this equilibrium of a world that's not for happiness, because I don't believe in just happiness. I mean, I think you should have fulfillment. Because the Broncos lose, I don't want to be happy about that, man. If my dog is hit by a car, I don't want to be happy. Mm. I want to be mm. pissed. Mm. So you want to have all the emotions that lead you to a fulfilled life. You finish your time on the planet. That phone call comes through. You know what? It's been pretty good. It's been a good ride, man. I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place. So I'd be saying, what are the dreams? But not just in a work sense, but also what's, what's the picture you got in your mind of the absolute perfect relationship, the relationship you want with your kids? What's the legacy you want to leave to the community? What would that look like? Look in the mirror and say, what's the dream of you as a fit, healthy, virile, sexy we bastard. What's that look like? Because you can have dreams for every aspect of your life, but they're the things that matter. And if work doesn't work out for that particular day or week or whatever, great. I've still got a great relationship. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm still got a marathon in front of me, blah, blah, blah. I've got that equilibrium. The problem today is we are like a professional athlete where it's all about work. Mm. And if work doesn't match up, then our life goes to crap and we lose our mojo and because even, and even we're athletes, so unhealthy. Athletes are the same. I mean, it's, it's football that, players. It's, it's the rubbish they're now. doing now. And Goodness it's that me. throwaway line, which is, oh, we're, it's professional. And for some reason, people think to be professional, you have to be inhuman or not care. And, and this illusion that these teams go through that these players, because they're professional, they show up. They don't have problems mentally. And, and I think there's, I mean, I'm not going to be a, an amateur psychologist here, but obviously with rates of, it's well documented, rates of anxiety, uh, depression, all of these issues that are big, uh, that are floating to the service now, but, but in reality, we've never had less to worry about. That's right. And if you look at whether it be professional sports people, professional business people, people who are leading a life, there is a new generation coming through where it's not just all about work. I want to achieve, I'm going to nail it, I'm going to be my absolute best to your point and I want to achieve great things, but I'm going to work, I'm going to the gym at 5 o'clock to work out my mates and I'm also going to work on a Thursday afternoon at a soup kitchen and I also want to start this thing where I'm helping the unemployed, the young kids, I want to go and do speaking in schools. It's a, it's a world, it's a fulfilled world as opposed to just I'm in it because old school, you know, my old man and generation before that, it was just about work. He had a partner at home who set up a little home and everything else, and Dad left at this and came home. It's different now. Mm. And I think in what's really interesting and curious is that some of the old-school leaders like Branson, they're doing it. 
There are non-negotiables where reading, meditation, learning, great food, walking, social time, they're non-negotiables. And when you see people who are leading WeWork and Twitters and these sorts of guys, look at their lifestyle. Look at the process of what they do. Don't worry about the outcome. We're not going to run a $20 billion WeWork. We don't, maybe you do, maybe you don't want to. But study their process, not the outcome. And these guys are all getting up early. They're meditating or they're playing with their dog. They're writing. They're learning, listening to podcasts, listening to audio books, walking to work, having walking meetings at work downtime, blocking out compartments of the day where there's no phone calls, no emails, no nothing between 10 and 12, just sit down and have coffee with the leadership team, just chat, how's your weekend, what are you doing, what are you up to, what do you think about this? It's really interesting now, it's changing where we have this more, and I don't like the word balance, but it's a fulfilled life. But when we lose our mojo, we start the, it, the, the wheel starts to get wonky. Oh, I love I love how you just you kind of pull out the laundry list of things to talk about and you know you're talking about if you've lost your mojo, think about your relationship. Where do you want to be? And as you were saying that, I'm like, yeah, that's where I want to be. Yeah, my, that's good. And I, I could, it was actually really fun to think about that as you just kind of, as I'm listening to you and you're listing those things. And straight away, that's kind of a motivating feeling. And it feels good mm. to, to do that. And if you've lost your mojo, as a rule of thumb, it feels pretty crappy, right? Okay, so this comes to my concept for the wingman here. Yeah. Oh, totally. oh absolutely. absolutely. Now, now absolutely. Do I, this, is, this is where I get my call sign? Yeah, okay. We're going to call. <laughs> you don't know, want to know what my call yeah. sign is. He'd be, I think Gary would be Peeps. <laughs> Peeps. Peeps? Yeah, just like a whistle. Uh, yeah. oh, right, that's it, mate. That's public, I was looking for an Iceman or a wolf or, 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 or Jester. Toots. It's always something Viper. you don't like. Yeah. Maverick. I need something yeah. sexier. Does it- I want to go home to my wife and say, oh, it's so cool today. This former jet fighter pilot gave me a call sign. She's going to say, you need to be coming home right now, brother. You need to be coming home. Mama's got some sugar. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was, Australia, I was at home. We, don't, we just don't even go there. We don't even go there. I was, I was at home yesterday and my daughter comes around and tries to scare me and she goes, boom. I said, is he on the phone again? Is he? And I'm like, oh, man, that's everybody, you know, like uh, yeah, you made a good point before about movies, Gary. Same deal, mate. Top Gun, watched it. Yeah, I'll do that. Thanks, yeah. for, thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah. lived it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob watched Platoon. No, good. I think um, I think this this is important, right? Like even having this conversation is like like minded people sharing ideals, sharing values, sharing beliefs, and I, and you, I get energy from it. Mm. Uh, and and you, you made a really great point, Robin. We get caught in the trench of execution. Even Rob and I, each other's wingman, you still wear each other out. Uh, I think it's so important to cultivate that peer group and community in to keep that mojo. Absolutely. But in a way that with people that understand the importance of it, not with people who are Jomo, you know, taking it out of here. Yeah. I, I, and I think what's really good about these podcasts and what's really good about these is about these ecosystems that does bring that together. And, mm. and I think that's a real one plus one equals three type of outcome. Do you know what's interesting? I hadn't thought about it before, Rob, until we, we started recording. Say, say we go through and we've done our brainstorm, we've got an idea for something, and we're now at a point where our mind goes, I've brainstormed, I've got the idea, I've judged against criteria, I've fixed up any shortfalls, I'm now, I feel pretty good about this. If you've got your wagon wheel going where you've got a great relationship with a partner who's there to support you, and you talk, you communicate, you've got a shared dream, if your kids are talking to you, you've got a great relationship, they love you, they love having you around, they're saying, hey, Dad, we believe in you, have a crack at it. Mm-hmm. You're fit, you're healthy, 
you're reading daily, listening to podcasts daily, listening to audio books daily. You've got that because to career proof yourself, you've got to learn now about the fringes of your industry. But you've done all that research. You spent a lot of time learning, hanging around with the right people. You've got a bunch of mates in the corner, guys or girls who are behind you. Do you know, it makes me think that it would give me the confidence to go all in because suddenly I've got, I've got the people and I, and I, I liken it to uh, a boxer. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the movies. You know, Rocky having Mickey and, and the guys in the corner. That if, they, if you get knocked down, get back up again. Mm-hmm. If you're going really well, keep hitting him, thump him. So win or lose, if you've got this team behind you in your corner because you've got this balanced life where you're feeling good and you're fit and healthy and you're thinking clearly because all that affects your thinking and your mood. you get people who buy into it. But when you go all in and it's all about work at the exclusion of all those things, you'd have to think you haven't got all your afterburners on. Oh, I like it. Hey? Totally. And, and, to, and, and I think part of, part of that problem, part of getting to there, because you're kind of describing my life actually, is that I've made a commitment with this podcast, with my business, with my life and all the things that I'm doing. And I've got so many people around me that support me that if I cast my mind back about two years ago, I was hanging out with the wrong people yeah. and I just didn't realize it. And nobody told me, nobody said, what are you doing? What are you, what are you running around drinking beers till three o'clock in the morning? Come like you're 40 something years old. What are you, what are you doing? And I didn't realize what I was doing. I was just hanging around with so the wrong important. people. Yeah. And I had to check myself. I got my, getting myself into a little bit of trouble, drinking too much alcohol, carrying on with my mates like I'm 20 years old again. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that every now and then. Of well, course, you look 20, mate. So, well, that's away, maybe that's yeah. maybe that's part of the reason. Right? <laughs> yeah, made so much booze. No, but I, I really felt like I had a drinking problem, and not like with alcohol. But every time I go out, I would just go and drink way too much, and that's mm. because I'm hanging out with the wrong people. Mm. What, what would you mm. say to somebody that knew they were hanging around with the wrong people? but wasn't able to extract themselves because if you extract yourself from that crowd and that circle of friends and that group, then generally people are kind of a bit isolated as well. Yeah, I, to me it's it's say it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you ring those people, who's going to be at your door to help you? None of them, absolutely. With, within, none of within minutes with no questions asked, I'm there. I, I've tried that and it didn't happen. Because the difference between if you need anything, give me a call. Oh, as a matter of fact, oh, it's just that's a bad week for me. Yeah. The difference, yeah, mate, what do you need? Yeah, that's I'll be there. Yeah. And I think that's who's counsel. And that is family, that is partner, that is kids, that is good mates come hell or high water. Mm. And the more you go through together, the more you've got that brotherhood of people, guy or girl, who turn up at your doorstep. But I think if anything with this, Rob, it's about doing an audit on, you know, people, your, your listeners can do an audit to say, can you articulate your dream? And can you stand in front of me or sit in front of me and convince me you're convinced of the dream you want for the perfect life? Whether you've got it or not, it doesn't matter. What do you want? Five years' time, if you couldn't fail, right down to where you're living, what are you doing, who are you hanging out with, what do you look like, how's your relationship, how are you contributing society, all that sort of stuff. And then you can do an audit to say, well, then what are the areas that really matter, which are those areas, and break it down to how do I start from today to get to that point? And to your point, who do I need around me? And I've worked with people who are 120 kilos who've done all the Tony Robbins things and gone to Destiny and gone to UPW three times at 120 kilos. And I said, and I said, you done all that? Was it good? Yeah, you learned a lot. Yeah, spent a lot of money on it. Yeah, you've been to Mastery in Hawaii, Fiji. Yeah, yeah. I said, what happened? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, look at you. You know what well, to do. Excited for five days. After what that. happened? And, and this guy went, thank you. He said, all my mates have let me go from 90 kilos to 120 kilos and it's all through booze Mm. and not one of them has pulled me up. He said, thank you. What do I do? Let's get started. Mm -hmm. So this is the audit you do 
on these things that the listeners can write down their journal and execute back to flex from today, from this very minute when they finish this podcast. It's it's spot on, Gary. And we have a in a in a community of the fighter pilot, we have this whole concept of nameless rankless, which is doing exactly what mm. you just said. You're checking each other. Love you, that. You're constantly checking on each other. Often, particularly flying, and you, you're fatigued and you're not quite aware of it. And we find this a lot with guys who, yeah, young guys in the air force in their twenties, and and often towards the end of their of those twenties, they're having a, a young family. So they're up late at night feeding the baby. They come into work. They want to fly. They want to fly and. And we learn in that environment that if we're not the best judges of our own performance or our mm, own mm. Uh, our own uh, mental state, so we'll call people on that. We'll say, "Hey, are you feeling all right? You look a bit tired. It's time to get off the pro off off the program." And it's implicit in that environment because our survival is dependent on people checking our performance, asking us probing questions. We get a quiz every day. Can you imagine going to work every morning as we do, and someone quizzes you on your day to day activities and that you have full knowledge of them? Every single day, morning quiz. And all of that is about making sure that we're able to perform uh, at a level that A equals survival. And the good news is when you're really good at that, you, the, the byproduct is is high performance. Yeah. But that nameless, rankless. To, to be around people who aren't just propping you up, who aren't just feeding you what you want to hear mm. and who say to you, look, just checking on you here, is that – is this what you? Is this the destination you really want? When you spoke to me, you said the plan was this. I'm observing what's going on, and we don't seem to be aligned. Are you aware of that? And there might be, oh, kind of am, and and you have to ask him that question. Well, are you committed to the plan? Have you gone all in? Is that where you want to be? Is the plan wrong, or are you just executing very poorly here? Yeah. And then you bring in the wingman, then you bring in the mentoring. But that whole thing ebb and flows. And just, just the day that we, we used to say one day you're the dog, the next day you're the fire hydrant, right? So you, you know that when you're providing that support and insight for your squatter buddy, that you're going to call on that one day because that's how human nature is. Mm. One day you're on top of the world, the next day you're in the gutter. And if you work together, you can help pull each other out when you're at either end of that spectrum. Yeah, and that's a, sometimes it's a hard thing to hear. And someone doing that to you can be difficult as well. We've got a good relationship like that. You check me all the time and you pull me up hard sometimes and, and I check in with you as well. And we do it regularly like that. It, it happens at regular intervals, but they're just little things. Hey, man, you all right? How's your day? Everything okay? And then there's a, a work conversation and there's a little personal conversation in there and it's like, oh, it's nice to know that somebody is looking out for me. And it feels really good to have somebody looking out for you like that. And it's really, really important that you have that. And if I... Coming back, you know, bringing my story full circle. Two years ago, the people that I was hanging out with mm. didn't give a stuff about any of that. It was, uh, it was it was really really hard to kind of make any sort of progress in your personal life or with your friends or family with people like that around. I think that stuff you do with Afterburn on the debrief, I know that had a significant impact on the audiences when you were speaking. But it's so powerful, and it, it can do it. You can do it on yourself at a self audit, and you can also do it with a great mate or family member. Or someone I deal with people I don't even know very well is to say, you know, tell me, just talk to me, tell me, tell me about your stuff. And you could, if you, if you are doing, if you're looking, leaning into the conversation, looking him in the eye, and they know you're coming in from the right place, I think it's really powerful. The challenge today is most people are very defensive because those conversations are coming from the wrong place mm. and all the blinkers are going up and we've lost our resilience, grit and backbone. Mm. And we get hurt. We're becoming soft. And I think that's why the stuff you talk about with how you do it with flex and the debrief and red teaming and all that sort of stuff you talk about, it was super powerful. And for the audience that I saw you with that couple of weeks we're on the road, is 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 super, super powerful. What I love about it as well is that first question, which is 
what's the result? Mm. Where, where are you at right now? And a lot of people can't answer that because they don't know where they should be. Well, they don't want to be honest with themselves. They, they, they just don't have a plan. No. They just they're just existing. And I, the first thing I say to people when they're stressed or when they're in a room or there's confusion, it's like, where should you be right now? What are you trying to do? Mm. Oh, I don't know. Well, that's that's the first thing we've got to figure out. Sit down, write one thing, get that focus. Does it align with your dream? No, then why are we doing it? Mm. And, and if we are, <laughs> there might be a valid reason and that's okay, but let's do it with intent. Mm. Let's make these decisions with intent. And that's where I think, Rob, go all in is not one decision. Absolutely not, no. It's, it's a constant cycle. Constant. Where you've made that first decision, you're constantly trying to evolve your product, evolve yourself. And for me, health and fitness at the moment, too much work, not enough. So it's being honest with yourself now. And I, I feel myself when you're saying... Oh, just next week I'll do it. Just next week I'll do it. And and you find yourself in that in that do loop, which is I just don't have a plan. My plan doesn't have well being at a physical level in it, and I need to yeah. check that and and bring that back to the table. Uh, so I think it's, it's it's very and that's you've got to go all in with that decision too. Not making the decision is there's only one thing worse than a bad decision, and that's no decision. Can I give you a an example of that? So at the start of the show, you said. Tell us your all-in story. Go all-in story. And I said, there's two. So I covered off one. The second one was my wife had always thought we're going to have kids. But we were married for 10-odd years. And having a child in this world scared the living daylights out of me. Mm -hmm. And I found every crap excuse not to do it. Because I was scared. I was scared of actually whether I could deliver as a dad. And I applied all this thinking to myself. And I still remember walking through Regent Park in London beautiful sunny day walking through Regent Park and I was saying I remember disconnecting and just thinking it was a beautiful relaxing day you do your deep work and I'm like what am I doing I can do it in other areas of my life why why can't I and I found a piece of a movie that I played in my mind and went that's the dream and I remember distinctly stopping my wife and going let's do it Mrs. Doubtfire right (laughs) (laughs) he was wide open you got it yeah and uh, I said let's do it she said what are you talking about I said let's have a child and I dreamt of my little girl, her eye colour, her name, her hair colour. I dreamt the whole thing that I visualised and she turned out exactly the way I just designed it. She was manufactured wow. and she came exactly the way I want. But my point is that to this day there is not a single day that goes by where I don't continue to go all in. Mm. Like I'm not a part-timer. I, I've missed nothing. I've mm. been there for everything. We're mates. She's the greatest. It's her world. I don't for one minute she'll make her own mistakes. She's her own person. I re- absolutely respect her her thoughts and her desires. A parent helicopter over there. Yep. And and I am totally there for anything she wants to do, but it's her call. But I'm I not her. I am all in as a dad every single day, and that's part of my wagon wheel. And there's it's not negotiable. Mm. Everything that I look in the mirror, every action I have of reading, journaling, thinking time, being there every breakfast doing what I say I'm going to do, getting home from a trip when I say I'm going to get home, busting my ass to be there because I figure, you, to your point, the reason I tell the story is because I said I had two all, and that was the most significant all in because yeah. I was, and it's been the most amazing thing in my life. But the second part of it is, I think you're right, Boo, it's not one decision. You can make that decision and screw it up. It is every single day at the top of your page, what are you doing? Yep. What's, what matters to you? How are you going all in today? Mm. Today, how are you going all in? And I think it's a really important point I've, that I've taken away from this conversation to say that's it's a really nice way to frame it. Yeah, it's beautifully said and, and really nice sentiment there about your daughter as well. And 
there's three dads around the table here with daughters as well, so we can relate to that uh, <laughs> intimately and deeply, I'm, I'm sure, as well. My, my daughter is 12, and she's in her first year of high school, mm. and um, she's still a little bit kind of attached to me like little girls are, and I'm holding on to that for as long as I can because I know she's being set free into the world, and I'm not mm. going to have that relationship with her. That relationship's changing and maturing, and it's really nice to see that little bit of a transition happening. Yeah. And like you, I'm, I'm absolutely all in with her at the moment, like that as well in that transition period for her. So it's mm. really nice, mm. really nice. Good to story. See. Yeah, it's kind of cool, right? How about you, Boo? What about you and? And Sadie, she's a bit crazy on that side still, right? Yeah, no, they're... <laughs> oh, they're fine, yeah. They're, they're, they're wonderful kids, and I think you, as a, as a parent, it's so important to instil in them uh, the ability to, to explore their own ideas, to make their own mistakes, and to realise that making a mistake is not the end of the world. Yeah. And interestingly, in my son's school, uh, as a boy or boys' school, they have this philosophy, which is in a lot of boys' school, it's all about sport. But 0.1% of schoolboys end up earning money. In sport mm. uh, and academics isn't isn't cool, so they actually limit the mm. boys to one sport per term. That's it. And if you show the intent and the elite capabilities to be a sportsman, then you go into an elite program. And I think, and I reflected on that because when I went to school, all boys' school was very very sport orientated, and I just thought it just was, it was just the most common sense thing I've ever heard. <laughs> most of us do not play cricket for Australia. There's, a, there's eleven guys. Yep. You know, most of us don't do not play netball. I mean, it's like eight, I think, women, and I think that's maybe a little bit more about the evolution of humanity and that, what you talked about before, Gary, the next generation. Mm. Uh, but what I enjoy is learning all of that through my kids. Yeah. Not, not, I'm not dad. Do what dad says. Let's just have this as an open. You know, I, I make the, the decision at the end of the day, and I'm going to be there for your behaviour and make sure that you're a well-rounded person. But you know, it's a, it's a team effort. We're all we're all going all in together. So it's a, it's a wonderful experience. The best thing you ever have is obviously is have children. Mm. Beautifully, beautifully said. Well, gentlemen, as we come to the end of the show, I wanted to ask you, you, you mentioned it before. I'll start with you, Boo. What, what, what are some of – what is the, the daily non-negotiable for you, mate? It's interesting as you're talking, talking about having a dream. You know, and I guess uniquely I'm one of those people that achieved their life dream at the age of 21. Mm-hmm. My life dream was to fly a fighter jet and I did it. And when you achieve a dream early, you, it's like you live life in reverse because you've done it and it was incredibly fulfilling and it was the right people. There was nothing about it that was bad, apart from the normal human stuff of having to get to work early and you know, have to go flying again, uh, just the normal you know, lack of mojo stuff. And, and, and then from there, moving into business because I had to, because I lost my medical cap for flying and, and again, being in a position in life which is, hmm, I've done, I've done my life dream, what do I do next? And business, very wide open, business looked interesting and made that segue uh, into into business. And you know what, I, I approach life, well, look, I guess it's turned full circle. I'm in aviation again yeah. and, I, you know, I run a business that uses fighter pilot ethos to help people. And what I've learned, what I have fundamentally learned along the way is I enjoy the role of being a servant leader. I do have natural leadership capabilities, mm. but I, I definitely am not a leader for myself. I, I, I like the role. I believe I've been trained, conditioned. I've got all this experience to lead things, but it's, it's always in a way that is what can you do for others. So my, my one takeaway every day 
if I'm getting frustrated or I'm starting to, to or I feel that it's someone else's problem or I'm making an excuse, I, it's, it's about coming back to the ego and saying, hang on, that's, if, if I take control of it and if someone's not doing what I ask them, then maybe I didn't explain it properly. And bringing it all back to yourself all the time and changing your behaviour is a very fulfilling way to live your life mm-hmm. because you do find yourself less stressed and you do find yourself enjoying every day. And I can't remember the last day I didn't feel like getting out of bed. Mm-hmm. You know, or the last, you know, the last night I, I couldn't get to sleep because I was worried about something. Like just, it just allows you to bring perspective to everything that you do. So for me, take yourself out of the equation. Beautifully said, beautifully said. What about yourself, Gary? What, what's, your, what's your one thing that you must do every single day? Oh, I think it's one thing that's broken down into many, Rob. I think for me, I always live my life because I work in front of people, like we go on the road with Bill and we do speeches and or I work one-to-one with people of different parts. I always live my life like I'm under a video camera mm-hmm. so that you know the US Marines say that integrity is doing the right thing even when no one's looking. So for me, the non-negotiables are always turning up and always holding yourself to the highest standard even when no one's looking. And that represents itself in non-negotiables, moving every day, live on a farm, a lot of farm work or gym work we talked about, learning every day, I read a lot, I listen to a lot, I write a lot. I'm always there for my little girl. Wife is the first priority, first thing in the morning. Coffee. So I, uh, <laughs> but I, I live under a microscope. So when you say what's the non-negotiable, it's to hold the standard. You know, as, as Logan Gilbrick from Deuce Gym in Santa Monica in America would say, you know, hold the standard. So for me, it's not one single thing. It's all those things that make up the mojo. Because if I sit in front of you, I want the hardest marker to point their finger and go, right, where have you done that today? Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to be one of these guys who's read a book and gets up and talks about it, but then you haven't done it. Mm-hmm. And so it's not one thing. It's, it's pretty much everything day in, day out, you know, holding the standard of everything. But it, it comes back to the holding the standard around what matters and to me, a lot of things don't matter. Beautifully said, beautifully said. And, and Boo, if people want to find out more about you and your business and Afterburner, what's the best place that they can do that? Google Boo. Google Boo. <laughs> really? No, Google, no Google. I've never done it before. It just Google. came to my mind. Uh, <laughs> Google Boo. That's my daughter going so cool. Boo. Yeah, That's I cool. Put that into her SEO. Um, <laughs> Google Boo. We'll get you ranked for, the, for the call sign. Yeah. yeah, Google. You know, I think uh, <laughs> if you want to find... What we do, it's afterburner.com.au, but uh, fighter pilots, fighter pilot methodology, yeah, we're just the custodians of it. You can research anywhere, OODA loops. There's a, there's a lot of theory that uh, around performance that, that's quite ingrained in business now that has uh, come from the fighter pilot. The agile methodology now everyone's utilizing. Yeah. All, all of that DNA in Genesis is the, is the OODA loop. Beautiful. And what about yourself, Gary? If people want to find out more about the Mojo Radio Show and more about you, where can they find out more? Well, I can guarantee if they Google my name, they will definitely find me because there's only one Gary Burtwistle around the place. But the other thing is to show, and it's really interesting, and I'm sure you found this, Rob, that I think pod, I got into podcasting six seasons ago because I was I was traveling from my farm back to Sydney to do gigs and my country music library was running very slim. I was playing it over and over and I got back into podcasts and I was disappointed at the quality of them and the lack of depth of content and the interview process and stuff. So I rang Robbo, who is a former producer, a studio producer, who I work with in Triple M, who's really, really good, and I said, you produce it, I'll get the guests, what are the questioning? 
and it's been really successful for us. But I think the greatest gift is just like this, is just getting to meet like-minded people and being able to sit with them and talk with them for an hour or so. So the Mojo Radio Show is on iTunes. It's pretty easy to find. It's going pretty good. But I think that podcasts, and I say to audiences all the time, if you know somebody who's not into podcasts, get them into it because you can deep dive on any topic really quickly and the power of this format is you can deep dive very quickly and you turn dead time into lifetime. And it's a non-negotiable. You want to learn every day, wherever you're waiting in line, wherever the Qantas or a bus or a train keeps you waiting or a coffee shop, just stick in a podcast. So um, that's where you find me, the Mojo Radio Show or GaryBurtwistle.com. Um, Fantastic. Well, gentlemen, I'll make sure that those links are included in the show notes. Thanks very much for coming on the show, and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Bye for now. First time I saw you, I knew all the time. It was something in the air the night, and in the way you looked at me. I get nervous when you get close and my heart fills up with butterflies And then you leave me speechless My world turned upside down Just say that you won't go and break my heart Break my heart, don't break it now Remember it's the only one I've got The one I've got Don't break my heart Don't break my heart Instead of keeping it all inside So hard with you, I don't know why Believe me, boy, I've tried, tried When you're near me My heart fills up with butterflies And then you leave me speechless My world turned upside down Say that you won't go and break my heart, break my heart, don't break it now. Remember, it's the only one I've got, the one I've got, don't break my heart, don't break my heart, don't break my heart, don't break my heart. Don't break my heart Just say that you won't go and break